Good morning. Well, perhaps some of you thought, I'm just going to sneak into church today and get my New Year's resolution in. And uh, well, you, you did, but we're going to give you something before you head out. Um, we don't just gather on Sunday mornings or on a New Year's Day because we have to. We do because there's no better place we could possibly be than right here kicking off a year and uh, getting our hearts right in what God wants to do in each and every one of us. This morning, what I want to do is uh, I want to look at a verse, I quoted it earlier, uh, as kind of a theme verse for us as a church, and I hope for you as a, a family. I was going to write it on, a, on a, like a big sticky board uh, for our family, and I was going to write it out and then post it and put it on the wall and uh, write it out, and Lindsay said, are you going to keep this around? I said, yes. She said, please let me make it pretty then. Okay. I was like, fine. Okay. Uh, the verse is Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Not just success, good success. Like what's the difference between success and good success? Success is making it to the college football playoffs. Good success is winning one of them. All right, I had to get it out there. We're all in the same morning, except for you weird Notre Dame fans, right? Meditate on God's law, his word, day and night, and then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Now, there's a couple of words in that little phrase or that verse that as I bring up, for some of you, certain alarms start going off. Like when I say the word law, some of you go, oh, Stephen, we're Christians. We don't live under the law. Paul said we live under grace, not under the law. And so when you say law, I go, ah, but over and over. In the Old Testament, we're told of the beauty of God's law. Over and over in the New Testament, the New Testament authors go back and they say, look at God's law. Look how beautiful it is. It is true that we are not under law. We are under grace. But we certainly need to understand what that means. Jesus himself said, I have not come to abolish the law, but what? But to fulfill it. Jesus goes on later and says, do not try to erase. Do not try to get rid of even the smallest grammatical ability of the law. Don't get rid of any of it. Why? Because it's beautiful. I have this thing with Reagan, my five-year-old, where I, I go, Reagan, I have a secret for you. And after two years of this, she goes, Daddy... I know what you're going to say. You're going to say I'm beautiful and that you love me. I'm like, you're right. Or sometimes I switch it up on her, and no matter what time it is, I say, go to bed, right? I want to give you guys a secret this morning. And as much as I say it to Ray, I'm going to say it to you guys this year. God's law is beautiful, and you should love it. And what I want to do to get our year off is just focus in on the beauty of what we have here in this book in God's law, in God's word. And by the way, when uh, Paul writes that we are not under law, we are under grace, here's what he's saying. He's saying to be under the law is to uh, live under uh, the weight and the, and, and the inability of humans to live up to the law 
uh, and, and then to have to sit under the weight uh, and the guilt and the shame of the law. To not be under the law then, but to be under grace is to understand then how Christ lived perfectly to fulfill the law for us. And the Trinity works uh, in unity when God the Father wrote the law, when Jesus perfectly embodied it, and then when the Holy Spirit came to help us live up to it. As one author says, it is um, uh, the law uh, pushes us to the gospel. Because as we look at the law or the word of God, his statutes and commandments, and we go, I can never do this. I can never do this. And so what does it do? It, it, it pushes us to the gospel. I need something better. And then the new covenant comes around, and we go, oh, we've got something so much better. Jesus will do it for you. That's awesome. And then once we step into the gospel and we receive the grace of Christ, what does it do? It compels us now then in obedience by the power of the Holy Spirit to live out how God has written it is best to live, which is his word. It's funny. I, I say every week, the Bible is as relevant today as the day that it was written. What do you think I'm saying? It's as relevant, all of it, beginning to end. Today is the day that it was written. God's beautiful law, his word written to us, a grace now and freedom in the Holy Spirit. And you say, well, what's, what's freedom in the Holy Spirit? Freedom in the Holy Spirit is not you get to do whatever you want. Freedom in the Holy Spirit is, as Paul wrote, you are no longer enslaved to uh, uh, sin. You are now enslaved to righteousness. You are now enslaved by the power of the Holy Spirit in you to want to live out how God has written it is best to live. You say, well, I want to know what the will of God is. I want to know how best to live. It's right here. All you got to do is read it. Or as uh, Joshua uh, wrote, right, to meditate on it day and night, to be careful, to be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Some of us are living such dissatisfied Christian lives because we have written off more than half of what God gave us. Some of us, we are living such dissatisfied Christian lives because our, uh, what we think is uh, that, that we have to like kind of forge our own path now through this like weird relationship with the Holy Spirit on knowing what is good and what is bad, what is right and what is wrong, what is his will and what isn't. No, he laid it out for us in his word. And so this year, I point you back to the beauty of God's word. Now, some, you might think, oh my gosh, this sounds so much like legalism. Oh, can I tell you what legalism is? The Bible hates legalism. Paul, Paul, who loved the word of God, hated legalism. And so he wrote often against the Pharisees and often against the one term that he called was the Judaizers. And what he was saying in that moment is this, any attempt to justify yourself by living up to the law is pointless, uh, it is miserable, and it will never work. You will never be able to live up to the full extent of this law. And legalism is when you and I uh, try to live out the law so that we might be justified before God. The only thing that will ever justify you is the work of Christ on the cross. That's it. The work of Christ on the cross did it all for you. 
And then the Holy Spirit infuses new life into you. Even in the Old Testament, we see samples of this when in, uh, in Ecclesiastes, uh, no, I'm sorry, Ezekiel, uh, it says that we are given a new heart, a new heart. Why? So that we might now live to what God has called us to live or how he has called us to live. And so the spirit breaks in, the new heart is given. And the, and the Christian goes, what do you want me to do, God? I want you to live the way I designed you to live. And what will that result in? I got three words for you this morning. Three words uh, that I think it will result in. Uh, let me give them to you. Blessing, holiness, and wisdom. Blessing, holiness, and wisdom. Three words for you. Blessing, holiness, and wisdom. Jumping back to Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Why? So that you may w- make your way prosperous and have good success. Those are two other words that I think sometimes we go, whoa, 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 whoa. I thought we were against the prosperity gospel. We are. Prosperity gospel is not the same as uh, us being prosperous in God's view. We're very pro being prosperous in the way that God wants us to be. We very much want to walk in what God would say is good success. That's not a distorted prosperity gospel. That is in part the promises of God. I believe when it says that then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success, if we were going to summarize those three words, i just summarize them for you. Blessing, holiness, and wisdom. That's prosperous. That's good success. We read Psalm 119 because over and over it alludes to you what it looks like to find a life in God's word, in God's, uh, in God's way. And, and by the way, if there's something in you that's like, whenever you say law, I just, well, I go back, then just hear me say word, God's word. David says, I delight in it. I delight in it. Now, let's look at each one of these words real quick, blessed, holiness, and wisdom. Let's start with blessed. Uh, let me give you a definition for it. To be blessed is this, to experience the joy of a full life as you revel in the favor of God. Blessed is to experience the joy of a full life as you revel in the favor of God. Uh, I think of Jesus' words, right? I've come uh, that they may have life and that they may have it to the full. I think of Jesus' parable when he says that springs of living water will flow out of you. I think of Timothy, uh, Paul, when he's writing to Timothy, and he says, and then you will know the life that is truly life. To be blessed, then, is to experience the joy of a full life as you revel in the favor of God, as you just... Like drink in the favor of God. What is the favor of God? It's grace. It's unmerited favor. It's the fact that you and I could have never lived up to the merits of our salvation, but he granted it to us anyway. And we just look at that and it is so beautiful. It consumes our minds. It consumes our hearts. And then it overflows in abundance. It overflows in joy. Now, even as I talk about this, some of you might think, but, but what about the, the trials, the temptations, the difficulties of life? Oh, I'm not negating those in any way. Neither were the uh, authors of the scriptures. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 4, 2 Corinthians 7, verse 4, Paul writes this. He says, I am acting with great boldness towards you. He's teaching them in the moment. He says, I have great pride in you. He says this, I am filled with comfort. In all our affliction, I am overflowing with joy. Regardless of my circumstances, there's a joy, Paul says, that, uh, that, that is broken into my heart and broken into my spirit. Paul's saying, I know what it is to be blessed. I know what it is to have this full life in Christ, no matter what's going on out there. 
because of something that has happened in here. Even Psalm 119, uh, as you look at the beginning, uh, I'll, I'll flip back to Psalm 119 verses 1 and 2. Look at how it starts. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. I like how the NLT says it, New Living Translation. Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Next uh, verse, blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. I'll go on to verse three real quick. Who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. You might be starting off the year going, I have zero joy. Stephen, where do I start? You start by aligning your life with what God has already written. Sometimes there's low-hanging fruit. People come up, they're like, man, I, I have zero joy. I don't know what's going on. I got this going on. I got this. Okay, there's like, let, let, just go read the Ten Commandments. How you doing? Like, let's just start. Let's start easy. Let's start easy. Are you walking in the fullness of what God? Why? Because the, the, the blessing in this way, the blessed uh, uh, part of what Psalm 119 goes to over and over and over is those who submit themselves to God's path. Let me say it this way. If in uh, 2022, you were walking your path, the quickest, easiest way for you to start experiencing the full life is to get off of your stupid path and onto God's path. And your path is dumb. And you, I, I get it. You think you're smart. Get on his path. Walk on his, start, again, start with the low-hanging fruit. Like, are you being obedient to God in the most basic of things? I'll list them later. You already know. You already know. Get on his path. I mean, start this year just like, like mentally saying, it says, I walk in the way of the Lord. That's why we started today off with the song, The Way. I'm just kidding. That's not why we started, but that worked really well. Okay. Your way. His way. And this year, you're just walking. You're saying, I'm on his way. I'm on his path. Nothing's taking me off of it. I don't care what other people say. I don't care what I've done in the past. I am walking his way. You want to know what the result is? Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Blessed. Blessed in all and every circumstance. Blessed. Oh, the um, author of Psalm 119, he gets excited about this. And so he just keeps uh, going back to this. So I'm going to hop around Psalm 119 for a little bit. Psalm 119.25, my soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. That's verse 25. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. You ever had any dusty seasons? You look like a Catholic on Ash Wednesday, right? Okay. I don't know. Okay, all right. <laughs> Your face, it's just, it's dusty. It's dusty. And, and you're going through life and you're looking and you're like, man, I just, I can't seem to get the dust off. And then the dust becomes suffocating. And, and you're like, I, I just, this seems like, like no matter what I try or what I do, I, I'm just, this is a dusty season and it is hard and I don't know how to get it off and I don't know how to find life again. And I feel like I'm just, I'm laying in the dust and, and my soul is empty and, uh, and I've been searching for joy and I don't know where to find it. And I've tried this and I've tried that. And the author tells you, you will find life according to his word. 
You will not find life according to the world. You will not find life according to your path. You will not find life according to your sin. You will not find life in all of the empty promises of this world. You will find life according to his word. Psalm 107.9, for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul. He fills with good things. Psalm 4, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In other words, the best efforts of the world will pale in comparison to the beauty of God's word. This, this is where you will find life. And so when you get into the dusty season this year, you take all of your dust-covered face right back to this book and you let the dust drip off into here and life come back out of it. He will give you life according to his word. I will meditate on his word day and night. The author's not even done. He keeps going. Psalm 119.50. He says, this is my comfort in my affliction that your promises give me life. Oh, in the struggle, in the difficulty, in, uh, in the hardest moments of life, what does he say? Your promises give me life. I say this often. The first song I ever heard Lindsay sing was a song by Elevation called Your Promises. And uh, it always rings through my I can still, I'm standing there. I can watch it. That's when I whisper to the person next to me, I don't know if I want to marry her or hire her. And then I did both. Okay. <laughs> His promises. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, test yourselves, examine yourselves. He doesn't go on to tell them how to do that. But here's one way. In the moments of your affliction, what gives you life? In the moment of your afflictions, where do you run to? What do you turn to? What's your source of life? This says, your promises give me life. No matter how hard the world makes it, no matter how hard we make it on ourselves sometimes, his promises are what are supposed to give us life. 77, keeps going. Let your mercy come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. Why would we need his mercy to come to us? This is the moment where the psalmist is writing, uh, when I sin, when I turn away from your perfect standard, Lord, I don't know what to do. And he says, no, 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 his mercy, this is Old Testament, right? Your mercy will be my delight. In other words, even when you sin, what do you do? You don't run away from God's law. You don't run away from God's standard. You don't run away from God's word. You run to it. And in the moment when sin does come to you, spiritual maturity, one of the signs of spiritual maturity is what is the gap between your sin and running right back to the heart of the Father? How long does it take? Is it getting quicker? Is it getting quicker? Is it getting quicker? And what do you do when sin hits you this year? All right, you, you do the thing, whatever it might be. You, you delight in his mercy and you run back to his word. There's this weird, um, uh, like, almost dichotomy that, that, the, that the believer lives in, uh, in our sin. On one hand, we, we feel the, the, the full mercy of God, and we swim in the mercy and the beauty of God. And in the second way, we delight in the law of God, which says, Lord, I'm so sorry. I repent. I turn. Help me to be obedient now. We carry both. 
Oh, I carry zero shame. I carry zero spiritual weight for the consequence or for my sin. Uh, but Lord, I also I don't ever want to do it again. So change me. Let me delight now in your word. And what does all this lead to? Joy. Bless. This is a, this is the path to the full life. If you want to know how to get there, hop off your path, hop onto his path, meditate on his word, and start to live it out in every single area of life. And then naturally, what is this going to lead to? Our second thing, holiness. Let me tell you about holiness. Holiness, here's a definition. To walk in uprightness as you strive to obey God's law in all its fullness while simultaneously fully accepting Christ's atonement for you. A holiness is not, I am going to strive to follow God's law so that I might be accepted by God. Holiness is, I've already been accepted by him because of what Christ has done. And so now I want to live in the fullness of obedience to my Savior. Uh, uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10, you get to verse 10, it says what? Now, because grace is poured out into your heart, he has good work for you uh, that he prepared in advance for you to do. That good work is walking in holiness. And the psalmist uh, goes over and over uh, on this one too. He, he, he talks about the beauty of this holiness, but let me go to 2 Corinthians. I'm gonna hop back and forth between 2 Corinthians and, and Psalm 119. 2 Corinthians 7, 1 says this. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body. This is New Testament, right? Uh, cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit. Like sometimes we think, well, uh, if I'm not under law, I'm now under grace. Now I can do whatever I want, right? No, no, no. Let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. For some of us, 2023 needs to be the year of completeness. And when I say the year of completion, this is what I mean. I mean, it needs to be the year when you are completely done. And here's what I mean. You are completely done in your addiction to pornography. You are completely done in the lustful thoughts that take over your heart. You are completely done in your greed. You are completely done in your envy, in your jealousy, in your striving uh, uh, to make God pleased with you, which is self-righteous pride. You are completely done with the petty arguing. You are completely done with your gossip and your slander. You are completely done with anything that takes you away from the standard of God. You're done with it. It's over. You're leaving it past, and you're entering in to new year, and you're saying, I am completely done with that. I will no longer be the dog returning to his vomit. I'm walking in the newness and the freshness of life, the holiness of God. The spirit has broken out of me. I am done, done, done. Be done. Let this be the year of being done. You say, well, I don't know how to do it. Psalm 119.9 gives us a hint. How can a young man keep his way pure? Dudes, you listening? Young guys, you listening? How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. In other words, you take this out and you use it as the weapon that it is. When that Instagram ad comes up, you use this weapon by opening up that Bible app. When that girl comes to you looking that way, you slap her with this and run away. Just that's obviously a joke. Okay. 
guard yourself. And even as you're guarding yourself according to your word, you know, you might stumble a little bit at first, right? Like, how do I use this? How do I do it? You'll learn. Okay, we bought August the sword for Christmas. And I tell him, you run around and you kill those dragons, dude. August, Reagan is not the dragon, okay? Do not, don't hit her, okay? You'll learn, though. You'll learn where the dragon is. And then you slay it with the word of God. And you walk in purity. Psalm 119.11, he goes on, he says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. In other words, the, the word of God, the law of God is broken so deep in that it just now, it comes out and it compels me not to sin. I love what it says in Genesis 20, verse 6. Uh, there's a king, and Abraham is trying to trick the king into sleeping with his wife. Long story. And, uh, and, and the next morning, uh, God says to the king, I did not let you sin against me. I did not let you sin against me. Some of us, maybe we, uh, we're in a place right now, we just need to start praying that prayer. Like, God, until I can do this on my own, would you just, would you just help me not let me sin against you? Like, would you, would you, would you intervene? Would you, would you send the right person? Would you send the right text? Would you send the right thing that in a moment that I'm about to say or about to do or about to think or about to whatever, that you would, you, Lord, help. I need some help. I'm asking for some help because I want to be completely done. The author of Psalm 119, he gets excited about holiness too, so he writes a couple of other verses. Psalm 119.80 says this, May my heart be blameless in your statutes that I may not be put to shame. May my heart be blameless. This is pointing us to the gospel and the new covenant. He's saying, not just my exterior actions, but my heart would be blameless. That it would, you would change me on the inside. That you would not just make me good at obeying uh, like the Pharisees obeyed. Right? What did Jesus say? Unless your righteousness exceed that of the Pharisees. What, he, what was he saying? He's saying, your righteousness has to break in here. It can't just be out here. So break in, Lord, and from my heart, may I desire to do that which is right. Crucify all that is wrong in me. Psalm 119, 115 says this. Depart from me, you evildoers, that I may keep the commandments of my God. Let me read that one again. Depart from me, you evildoers, that I may keep the commandments of my God. Psalm 119, 115, 119, 115. Some of y'all need a tattoo. It needs to say 119, 115. You need to look at it right there. Because the next time that person texts you, they're like, hey, man, it's late. I know you want to go out. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. We're going to drink this. We're going to drink that. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. You're going to text back 119-115. And they're like, is that an address? And they're like, yes, it is. Read it. You sinful person, depart from me. <laughs> that dude's going to text you, lady. Hey, it's, it, it's late at night. Okay, you want to come over and watch some, next, some, some, some Netflix? 119-115. That's the only show I'm watching this year. You got some friends, and you need to 119-115 them because it is time that you move on. They are not helping you walk in holiness. They are not pointing your affections to Christ. They are not doing anything that is going to lead to blessedness or holiness, and you send them a 119-115 notice, and you move on with your life because God has got something better that he wants to do, and it's not going to happen if you keep hanging around those fools. Moveon.org. Let's go. If one of you sends me a 119-115, that's going to be, I'm going to be like, oh boy, all right. 119-115, depart from me. 
Some of you are like, I don't know how to break up with them. Just read that verse. Okay. What happens next? We become wise. We become wise. What is wisdom? Let me tell you. Here's wisdom. To know the will of God so as to do the right thing at the right time in the right way. Let me read it again. To know the will of God so as to do the right thing at the right time in the right way. That's wisdom. Don't you want that? Don't you want wisdom this year? Don't we often ask and pray, how do I know the will of God? How do I know the will of God? He wrote it for you. He did. So much of it is so clear. And sometimes the will of God is all the way on the back wall, okay? If I take my glasses off, I can't read anything on the back wall. Couldn't at all, okay? And sometimes we think, oh, the will of God, it's so far, it's so indiscernible, all of this kind of stuff, right? But you know what will help me read if the will of God is on the back wall? If I take a step forward, and I take another step forward, and I take another step forward, and the more steps I take forward, the easier it is going to be for me to be able to read that. What do I mean by that? Be obedient in what you know to be obedient in. And the more times you're obedient on what you know to be obedient in, the clearer the will of God will get for you. And if there are certain things right now that you know you are being disobedient in, no wonder you can't discern the will of God. Start with those. Clear the table, clear the garbage, clear the junk first. And then it'll become more clear. Psalmist loved wisdom. So he writes these words in Psalm 119, 24. This is going to offend somebody. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Let me clarify. <laughs> Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Let me read it again. Psalm 119.24. Your testimonies are my delight. They, your word, your rule, your law, they are my counselors. In other words, when I don't know what to do, when I don't know where to go, when I don't know how to discern wisdom, when I can't get over this thing in my life, when I don't know how to calm myself, how to find joy again, how to fix my marriage, how to run away from sin, how to raise my children, how to figure out the next season of my life, I turn here first. It is my counselor. And you might say to me, well, Stephen, I have my own counselor. They have a master's degree. Mine is the master of the universe. <laughs> if you spend more money on your counselor than you give to your God, you know who your God is. And you will never, ever, Find life, joy, and peace in that. It is found here. He is the wonderful counselor. His word is right and true. And I want every one of us to be over every addiction. And I want us to be over every sinful pattern. And I want us to be past all of the anxiety and all of the worry. And I want every marriage in here to thrive. And I will tell you exactly how to do it. Stop running to your woke counselor and start looking at the word of God. It will not get you there. It is broke. 
Counselors want cash and customers. Jesus wants freedom. He wants to actually bring you to a point of freedom. Look and find it in here. And listen, if your counselor opens up the word of God and gives it to you, great. If they don't, get rid of them and move on and find it in Jesus. In Jesus. Wonderful counselor. His word. Keep it close. Break into it. Meditate on it day and night. Day and night. And you say, oh, I've tried it. I've tried it. I've tried it. I've tried it. Repent. Run from sin. Let the Spirit fill you. Walk in freedom. That's what the Scripture tells us is the path to freedom. Use the path that God has already given and created. It's right here. They are my counselors. This word is full. This book is full. It tells us that every turn, everywhere, where do I go? How, what do I run to? Right here, let the Spirit fill you. Psalm 119.98. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. When the guys were reading up here, this verse, I don't know if it, it hit anyone else. When, when, when they read it out loud, you go, ooh. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies forever. It is ever with me. I love this. It's like somebody's going through life, and they're like, How, what, what, what is your secret? I, I don't even like you, but how are you doing this? Like, like, how do you know how to do this? How do you know how to get through this season? How have you not given up? How have you not quit? How come you're not bitter? How come you're not angry? Because I have my books, and I have my this, and I've done this, and I've done that. No, my counsel from the Lord makes me wiser than my enemies. Friend, we have a superpower. Woo! I just bought this thing. It's not broken. You know what? Whatever. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. Man, you want to walk in power this year? You have something that makes you wiser, smarter, more able to discern the will of God than even your greatest enemy. Right here. Delight in the law of the Lord. Meditate on it day and night. Then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. We believe the word of God or we don't. This is what it teaches us. Let me end today with one verse. One verse, and then I'm going to go back to verse 8. 1 Corinthians 6, 1. Let me tell you why I think this is so important. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. At the end of 2 Corinthians, it's the end of a long section uh, right here before it transitions into a new section. Paul writes this beautiful verse where he says, now we're working alongside the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Jesus. We're working alongside of him so that the grace of God would not go out in vain. In other words, so that people would properly understand the truth and the message and the power of the gospel and that it would be able to break in inside of them. And what the, uh, Paul is getting at here is he's looking at the church of Corinth and he's saying, guys, I need you to fix what is broken 
working inside of you. He's already told them about this new calling that they've been given called the ministry of reconciliation, that they have now this great mission. He's dealt with the sin that was present in their church. Now he's saying, we're going to work together and we're going to go out and we're going to bring the, uh, the, the message of the truth of the gospel out to the world. And in order for you and I, friends, I'm, I'm not talking hypothetically anymore. I'm talking about you and I. In order for us to be the partners with Christ, right, that we are called to be, we've laid out a path this morning on how to do it. Walk in the blessedness of the joyful our people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Walk in the holiness of being completely done with what has held you back. And then walk in the wisdom of the Spirit of God being your counselor. And you know what I think is ahead of you? Prosperous and good success. An incredible year. Will there be difficulty? Yes. Will there be trial and tragedy? I hope not, but probably. Can there still be joy? Can there still be holiness? Can there still be wisdom? Yes, yes, yes. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Amen? If you want to keep following your own path, good luck. You'll know where to find us every Sunday. We're following God's path this year. We're looking at the fullness of his word. I'm looking forward to it. Let's pray. Father, we know that the clear truth of scripture is what changes us. So I pray this morning that your clear truth would break into every heart that needs it. Lord, I pray for those who are running down their own path, they would jump over to yours. Lord, that they would now walk in the beauty, the blessedness, and the joy of life after you. Father, I pray that this year we would experience the life that is truly life, a blessed life just as a whole church, and we could just sense it around us. Lord, I pray that there would be a, a, a new rise of holiness within our body. Father, that we would be done with what we need to be done with, or who, and Father, that we would walk in purity, that we would walk in, uh, in uprightness, Lord, both externally and internally. And Father, grant us wisdom to know what to do in every sphere of our lives. And Father, be faithful as I know that you are, as you wrote, if we need wisdom to ask you for it. So I pray for each person, each marriage, each family, Lord, that as they pray this year for wisdom and as they study and search for it in your word, that you would grant it to them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you'd like to take a next step with Redemption Church, visit us online at experienceredemption.com slash connect card. You can also give online to support the work of Redemption Church. To explore your giving options, visit experienceredemption.com slash give online. We hope that the message you heard today encouraged you. See you again soon.